Thank you, uh, Bertie. If you have your Bible, we're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians and chapter 6. And whenever you get there, I want you just to stand. We'll stand together as we read the Word of God. It'll get you to change your position. And then we're just going to bow in a moment of prayer, short prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, please. And commencing to read at verse 10. When you get the place, please stand to your feet. And we'll read the verse, a few verses together. Uh, before we ask the Lord for his help and you ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? It's good to be here. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we know the Lord will add his blessing. Just stay to your feet and we'll ask the Lord for his help. And you ask the Lord to speak to you as we bring the word of God to your heart. Father, we bow again in thy presence. We thank thee for the hymns as we've been singing. And we thank thee for the word of God that is before us. And Father, we come now collectively and individually. And Lord, the cry of our heart would be, is, Lord, that thou will come in mighty power into this meeting this morning. We come before thee and we ask as individuals this morning that thou will speak to all of our hearts. And, Father, that indeed we'll have a word from God to our soul. We come collectively against every spirit this morning. We come against the enemy in Jesus' name. We pray to cleanse the very atmosphere in this hall this morning. And may our adoration, worship, and faith rise out of our hearts, even in these dark and dire days. We ask it in the Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You, you may be seated. It's a long stand up here, but you can sit down. It's good to see you this morning. Paul, whenever he was writing uh, to the believers at Ephesus, he comes in verse 10, and if you cast your eye to it, he says, finally, my brethren. And Paul, this mighty man of God, he's coming now and he comes to these believers, and this is what he's really saying, I have one more thing to say. And he goes on and he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You can see this mighty exhortation that Paul gives. Be strong. And friends, you and I as believers this morning, that's what we need. We need to be strong in these days. Now you can see the source of the strength. Cast your eye to it. In verse 10 it says, be strong in the Lord. Paul is telling these young believers, you'll not be strong in your own ability. You'll not be strong in your own gift. You'll not be strong in your own uh, calling. But you can be strong in the Lord. You'll remember what Paul, the Lord said to Paul. Whenever Paul had the thorn in the flesh, and he cried three times that the Lord would deliver him, this is what the Lord said. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so the Lord, Paul is saying to these young believers, be strong in the Lord. But not only can you see the source of the strength, you can see the sufficiency of it. Cast your eye down to it again. In verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And as our brother reminded us one night in the prayer meeting, that phrase can be translated, be strong in the Lord 
and in His mighty power. I'm glad this morning those of us that are saved serve a God that has got mighty power. Mighty power. Listen to this. The Lord has got mighty power. You'll remember whenever the Lord appeared to Abraham, this is what he said. He said, I am the Almighty. And God hasn't changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus could say to his disciples before he ascended, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. So the Lord has got mighty power. I'll tell you, the Word has got mighty power. This book that we have before us this morning, it's a hammer that breaks. It's a fire that burns. It's a sword that pierces. It divides and it discerns. The mighty power of the Word of God. You can see that the Lord has got mighty power. The Word has got mighty power. I'll tell you something else. The blood has got mighty power. Don't we sing it? The blood of Jesus Christ has mighty power. There's power. Wonder-working power in the blood. Power to cleanse. Power to keep. Power to protect. You'll remember whenever the devil came in Revelation 12, came against the people of God and says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I love that old hymn I was singing it during the week. O dear dying Lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. So you can see here this mighty exhortation to be strong. Cast your eye again to it in verse 11. And you'll see Paul gives a mighty obligation to be safe. He says in verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you and I that are saved this morning, you know very well that we are in a battle. And the battle is on. The battle's on. And you and I, every morning, we need to get up and we need to put the armor on. We need to have the helmet of salvation. We need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. We need to have on the girdle of truth, the sword of the Spirit. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Not only can you see here an exhortation to be strong and an obligation to be safe. This is what I want to say this morning. You can see his stipulation to stand. Cast your eye again to verse 11. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Collins's dictionary word of the year for 2020 was the word lockdown. Oxford Dictionary of the Year, their word for the year was unprecedented. Well, I want to say this morning, dear friends, that I believe God's word for the year is stand. Stand. Now you can see here in verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I want to say some, some incidents in the word of God where you and I as believers, we need to stand. We need to stand in opposition against the enemy. Whenever Paul was writing here, he said, we stand against the wiles of the devil. The Lord said in Ezekiel 13, he says, stand in the battle. Now I want to say a word to every true born-again believer in this meeting this morning. God wants you to stand in the battle. You'll remember David. David was only a stripling of a lad. And he went down into the valley of Eli. 
And it was there he stood and he looked into the eyes of a giant. And one man with God was, with, was the majority. One man with God. And he stood. Maybe you have a giant in your life this morning. Maybe you've got the giant of loneliness and you'll need to stand. Maybe you've got the giant of depression or fear. And you have to go down into the valley and you'll face him alone. Well, here's a word from God to your soul this morning. Stand. Stand. You'll remember Elijah. One man with God. Went up onto the Mount of Carmel and there he made a stand against 400 and 50 false prophets. And he stood for God. Friends, I want to say this this morning. The God of Elijah is still the God of our day. And he can help us to stand. What about Daniel? Whenever they put a prohibition on worship, you remember they told Daniel not to pray. What did Daniel do? My went into his little room, opened the windows, and it says he prayed as he had done aforetime. I'm glad he stood. What about Esther? Young woman, just one woman, and she stood for God, and she was in the kingdom for such a time as this. That's what we need to do, stand. But not only does the Word of God tell us to stand, it tells us when to stand. If you cast your eye to verse 13, it says, Wherefore take on to you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. I want to say this morning that the evil day has come. You'll remember what Paul said to young Timothy. He said, In the last days, perilous times shall come. Those are fierce times, dangerous times. And I want to say this morning, those times are here. You and I are in evil, dangerous, perilous, dark, deluded days. And those are the days in which you and I are called to stand. It's a dangerous day and it's a dark day. Whenever our nation has killed over 8 million babies in the womb. It's a dangerous day when Poundlanders selling Ouija boards for a pound at Halloween. It's a dangerous and it's an evil day when there's more men and women joining the occult than they are joining the church. It's an evil day when they seek to silence the church. It's an evil day whenever men have turned the truth of God into a lie. It's an evil day when they worship the creature more than the creator. It's an evil day when they legalize sin and criminalize God. That's an evil day. And Paul said to these young believers... At Ephesus, he says, stand in the evil day. There's a chaplain of Harvard University in 1901 was asked a question. He said, sir, what will the church be like in 2020? And this is his reply. He said, the church in 2020 will be a small minority surrounded by arrogant, militant paganism. Friends, that's where we are this morning. And God is not looking for carnal believers. And my, if you're in this meeting this morning, and if you have no time for prayer, if you have no hunger for the Word, God wants to shake you this morning because you are needed in the battle. You need to stand. You need to stand. It's an evil day. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a physical stand. Whenever David went down to face Goliath, it was a physical fight. Whenever Elijah went up onto Carmel, it was a physical fight. Whenever uh, Daniel went in, it was a physical declaration. But whenever you come into the New Testament, it's not a physical fight. It's a spiritual fight. Now, there's many believers in Northern Ireland, and if you were to give them a poster and a placard and arrange a protest, they would be there. But I want to tell you this morning, dear friends, we are not called to protest against physical men. 
We're told to fight and to wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness. It's a spiritual fight. This is what William MacDonald said. We battle against demonic forces and battalions of fallen angels, evil spirits that wield tremendous power and seek to influence humanity. Evil spirits all around the world seeking to influence men and women. And those are the forces that you and I have been called to stand against in the evil day. There's strongholds in our land. There's a stronghold of suicide. There's a stronghold of abortion. There's a stronghold of self-harm. There's a stronghold of drug addiction. There's a stronghold of, 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 uh, of evil in our land. And that's the very forces of darkness that you and I, as the people of God, have been called to stand against. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you been standing against them? You see, it's all very well you and I talking about the government. It's all very well us naming men and women. But we are called to fight not against men, but against principalities and against powers, the strongholds, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And I believe in this late dark hour, and I do believe this is the last generation of the church. God is looking for men and women holy enough, clean enough, and dependable enough to lay hold of God for our land. That's what God's looking for. Men and women that are in touch with God. This is what Paul said. He said, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Are we? Well, I'll tell you, I had to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I'm ignorant. Ignorant of the devices of the enemy. My, whenever the enemy comes to influence a young man in Northern Ireland today, and he will come, young man, it would be better if you just ended your life. He'll take the rope. He'll take the drugs. He'll take the knife. But friends, you and I, as the people of God, have the responsibility of praying that young man into the kingdom of God. What a warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness. Six times Paul used the word against. Against. Now you say to me, Stephen, what can I do? I'm not a preacher. I'm not much good at giving out tracts. I'm not, I'm not too eloquent in the place of prayer. What can I do in this dark hour? What can I do against the hordes of demonic forces? What can I do to destroy and to deform the works of the enemy? First of all, we can resist the enemy. You'll remember what young James said. In James 4 and 7, he said, Submit yourselves unto God and resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. This is what Peter said. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfastly in the faith. Oh, friend, let me say this. If there's one need in our land today, is that men and women will get into their closet in the early hours of the morning and cry unto God and resist the enemy. Drive the enemy back. Drive him back. This is, a, this is the work that you and I have been called to. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's been quoted already. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need to resist the enemy more. We can do more than that. We can restrict the enemy. You remember what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. He said, Whatsoever ye bind in earth will be bound in heaven, binding the enemy. This is what the Lord said in Matthew 12. 
How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except first he bind the strong man? Strong men. And you, you parents in this meeting this morning, you can see your young people, maybe your young son or young daughter, and the gospel's not getting in. They've been brought up in the gospel for years. This is what you need to do. Resist the enemy and bind the enemy. Bind them. Bind the powers of darkness. But not only can we resist them, and not only can we restrict him, we can wrestle him. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We can drive the enemy back. I'm glad this morning, dear friends, you and I that are saved, we've got mighty power. We've got mighty power to take on the forces of the enemy. And you can cry, Lord, the devil has no right to my boy. The devil has no right to my family. The devil has no right to my home. And you can resist him. And you can restrict him. And you can wrestle him. And I'll tell you this. If that doesn't work, this is what you can do. You not only can restrict him and wrestle him and, and resist him, you can get the Lord to rebuke him. Oh, you remember whenever Michael the archangel was contending with the devil... You'll remember it was there. He dares not even bring a ruling accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke thee. I'm glad we can call in the Lord. I'm glad whenever you and I are down, we can call in the Lord. You'll remember whenever Joshua the high priest and Zechariah 3, mine went in before the Lord and the devil was at his right hand to resist him. And this is what the Lord said, the Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. I'm telling you, dear friends, this morning Christ has died. The blood has been shed. The victory has been won. We have mighty power this morning. We're not defeated. God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. Though trials may press us and burdens distress us, he never will leave us alone. That's mighty. You'll remember whenever the Lord Jesus rose again, this is what it says. He spoiled principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly. And one of the prayers that I pray every day is, Lord, in Northern Ireland, make a show of the enemy again. What he's done before, he can do it again. Now, let me ask you a wee question. With all of our theology in Ireland, how many of us are binding and resisting and restricting? How many of us are crying for the young man that is suicidal thought? How many of us are crying for young men and women that are caught in pornography and drink and drugs and self-harm? Lord, we come against the enemy. We resist them. We restrict them. And we wrestle them. And Lord, will you rebuke them? That's what we need. To stand in the evil day. Take your stand. Stand against the enemy in opposition. Then come away over for a moment or two to Ezekiel, please. Ezekiel... In chapter 22, Ezekiel in chapter 22, just take your time and get the place, and you'll see another stand that you and I in these dark days need to take. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, please. And this is God speaking, this is not a man. It's not the prophet, it's God. And the Lord said in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, He said, I sought for a man. Now just let me say something this morning. Maybe as the God of heaven is looking down through this roof, and the eyes of the Almighty are upon us this morning, maybe He's looking for a man in, in this hall to rise up. Maybe He's looking a woman to take her stand. And he says, I sought for a man among them 
that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Now listen to this. Before me. You can see in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to stand against the enemy in opposition. But here in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, listen to this. We have to stand before the Lord in intercession. He goes on and says in verse 30, I sought a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. I'll tell you, dear friends, men and women in the lifeboat and the moi, God is looking for men. This is our hour to stand. This is our hour to fight. And he says, I'm looking for men and women to stand in the gap before me. This is what the Lord said in Isaiah 59. He said, I saw that there was no man, and I wondered that there was no intercessor. No man to stand between God and fallen humanity. And it says that he wondered. That word wondered there, he was stunned. He was baffled. Whenever he looks down and sees what he's done for you and me, whenever he looks down and sees that he's called us from darkness unto light and from the power of Satan unto God, he's wondering and he's baffled and he's stunned that so little of us pray for other men and women. We can pray for little jobs and we can pray for aches and pains, but God's looking men to stand before him and the gap, you'll remember it was said of Moses, that Moses stood before the Lord in the breach. Now look, look at this in verse 30 again. In Ephesians chapter 6, we were to stand against the enemy. But here in verse 30, he says, I'm looking for a man to stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. I'll tell you, dear friend, this morning, God is angry. God is angry. And while the enemy is rampant on our land, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that God is against us? Do you think he's against us? Because he said here in verse 30, he said that I should not destroy the land. The wrath of God is on our nation. The wrath of God is on this little land. And the Lord's looking men and women to rise up and say, Lord, I'm not a preacher. I'm maybe not medically gifted, but I'm going to take my stand before you and I'm going to cry in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. You remember Abraham. Abraham, it says in Genesis 18, that Abraham stood yet before the Lord. You remember whenever the two angels went down into Sodom and they were going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It says that Abraham got up and he stood before the Lord and drew near unto him. And that word is to lay hold of. To lay hold of God. And Abraham was crying and interceding for souls. Souls. Friends, there's more men and women this morning going down into the flames of hell than there's ever been before. There's more men and women in our world today and they haven't even heard the gospel before. And we're fighting and we're bickering. And we need to stand before the Lord. You'll remember young William Burns. My, whenever he's standing in an old Scottish street and the tears started to come out of his eyes as a young man and his mother said, Willie, what's wrong? He says, Mommy, can you not hear them? The tramp, tramp, tramp of Christ's feet going to a lost eternity. It was John Hyde that used to pray, Lord, give me souls or I'll die. Men and women that cry unto God. And this is what I, as Stephen Little, have been praying. Lord, give me the love for souls that you had. The compassion that you had. Friend, it's time that you need to pray for your neighbor. 
It's time that you need to pray for your boy and your son like never before. Judgment is coming. God is coming. We need to stand. We need to cry unto God. We need to plead for men and women to be saved. This is what Samuel said. God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Some of you have never seen you in a prayer meeting in my life. Some of you have never heard you pray. I've never heard you cry for your son. Never heard you pray for your husband. Never seen you in a prayer meeting on your knees saying, Lord, give me these souls. I've never seen it. It'd be a good time to start now, wouldn't it? In the dark hour. In this evil day to stand before God for souls. What about Elijah? He not only stood before God for souls, but he stood before God for the land. It says that Lord God of Israel before whom I stand. Israel was barren. There was death. Three and a half years, there wasn't a drop from heaven. God had turned off the blessing. There was death and departure all around. And Elijah got up onto Mount Carmel and put his head between his knees. And he cried. And one, one time after another, seven times, go again, go again, go again. And the cloud the size of a man's hand came. Here's a word to some mother. Mother, go again. Go again this week for that boy. Go again. Keep going. Pray on. Lord, give us souls. The situation of the land. Oh, friends, there's not time that we stood. You'll remember the Apostle Paul. He stood for the saints. He says, "My, I have you in remembrance in my prayers day and night. Day and night. He didn't slander the people of God. He didn't criticize them. He didn't talk about them. He got down in, in his closet and got down on his knees and he prayed for them. And friends, if we need to pray for one another, we need to pray for one another now. We need to stand and cry unto God for one another that the Lord would help us and protect us. It was said of Epaphras that he always labored fervently in prayer for you. What about Christ? My, before you even got out of your bed this morning, he prayed for you. The mighty intercessor, the one that ever liveth to make intercession for us. Every moment of the day in the trials and in the storms and in the afflictions. My, he's been praying for us in the question I want to ask you this morning. How many people do you pray for? How many people do you shed tears over? And that speaks to my own heart. Men and women that will stand. Lord, I want to stand before you for souls. For men and women that are perishing. I want to take, take my stand. Stand against the enemy in opposition. Stand before the Lord in intercession. I'm on the way over for a moment now to Exodus chapter 14, please. Exodus in chapter 14. The children of Israel have just come out of Egypt. They've just been delivered from bondage. Out of mighty triumph, and now they're going into a trial. And if you cast your eye to verse 5, as the children of Israel fled, it says, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and the, of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this thing, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made him ready his chariots, and he took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and all the captains over them, every one. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued. You can see the children of Israel. You can see them. They've come out 
under the, the, the redemption of the precious blood of the Lamb. They're heading out of Egypt. There's not a hoof left behind. And they're heading out and suddenly Pharaoh, he comes to his senses. And what does he do? He gathers all the chosen chariots of Egypt and all the chariots and all of the captains. And it says in verse 8, he pursued. You'll get again in verse 9, the Egyptians pursued. And you can see the enemy coming. Now the children of Israel were waged in. I want you to listen now. The children of Israel were waged in. The sea was before them. The mountains were around them. And the enemy was behind them. Maybe that's you this morning. The enemy has you. The enemy's pursuing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what the Lord said in verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's a word, friends, for your soul. Stand against the enemy in opposition. Stand before the Lord in intercession. Stand still in the trial in expectation. My, it says there in verse 10 that the people were sore afraid and they cried unto the Lord. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe the cancer's come. Maybe the COVID has come. Maybe the health isn't as good as it used to be. And you've been lying awake at night in the middle of the night saying, Lord, how am I going to get through this? The mountains are around you. The seas before you. The enemy's coming. There's no way out. You're trapped. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe the bills are coming in. Some circumstance during the week and you say, Lord, how am I going to get through this? This is what I read the other morning in my daily reading. When God is going to do something great, He uses a difficulty. But when God is going to do something wonderful, He uses an impossibility. Maybe you're in an, an impossibility this morning. Maybe that boy of yours seems to be an impossibility. Maybe the situation, the health, it's impossible. Listen to what God said through Moses. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He goes on and says in verse 14, For the Lord will fight for you. Oh, friend, let me say this to you. The cancer is not your fight. It's not your fight. The money and the bills is not your fight. The God of heaven would say to you and I this morning, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You'll remember what Naomi said to Ruth. She said, sit still. In Psalm 46, the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Just stand still now. And all this confusion around us and when men's hearts are failing them because of fear, you just stand still. Don't move. Don't run. Stand still. And the Lord says, I will fight for you, some of you women in here. You're praying for your husbands. It seems impossible. But let me say this. God uses impossibilities to do something wonderful. And the children of Israel, their sobs and their sighs were turned into songs. In chapter 15, they sang a song, cast your eye to it. It says in chapter 15 and verse 1, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I'm glad this morning, dear friends, my God's not dead. I'm glad I serve the almighty God, the one that's on the throne. You heard the story about the man over in India. And there was a tidal wave came in one time and there was a big image of Buddha. 
And the tide came in and it swept Buddha off his feet. And it got up in the morning and he was lying face down in the sand. And there was a Christian newspaper writer over there. And he put over the headlines, the God who never got up. Well, I'm telling you this, I'm glad that we serve a God that got up. Because on the third day he rose again. And he lives in the power of an endless life. And you tell me that you can't face tomorrow. You tell me that you're afraid. Listen to it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In verse 19 of that chapter, I haven't got time to turn you to it, but it says that the angel of the Lord that went before them went to, behind them. And the angel of the Lord that led the children of Israel, you remember the fire and the cloud and the pillar, instead of going in front of the children of Israel, he went for, to behind them. He went between them and the enemy. Friends, the one who was the shepherd became the shield. The shield. We heard that a few weeks ago. I am thy shield and thine exceeding great reward. The shield. Stand still. Maybe you have a business deal to make during the week. Stand still. Maybe you're going to make a move. Just you stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You can see it now, can't you? Stand against the enemy in opposition. You need to stand. You need to resist. You need to wrestle. You need to restrict. You need to get the Lord to rebuke. Stand. Stand against the enemy in opposition. Stand before the Lord in intercession. Oh, friend, would you not make a vow before God this morning and say, Lord, I want to learn how to pray. I'm going to take on this morning. I want to spend hours alone with God. Lord, give me my boy. Give me my son. Give me my family. Give me my neighbor. Give me those boys that I work with. Stand before the Lord in intercession. Stand still in the trial in expectation. Friends, God hasn't changed. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's still on the throne. Now, finally, come away over there just for a moment to... 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then we're going to sing a hymn. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, stand against the enemy in opposition, stand before the Lord in intercession, stand still in the trial and expectation. And Paul, whenever he was writing to the church at Corinth, he says in 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, Watch ye, stand fast in your faith. Stand fast in the assembly and dedication. Friends, this is a day and hour where you and I, we need to love the Lord like never before. We're in a day now whenever iniquity is abounding and the love of many, that word is the love of the most, is waxing cold. And we need to have a hunger and a passion for the Lord. We can love Him because of who He is. We can love Him because of the price that He's paid. I'll tell you, we can love him because of the promise that he made. You know, that's one reason I love gathering around this table. Just to remember him. Think of the one that left the splendors of heaven. The Son of God was it for me, for me alone. The Savior left his glorious throne. The dazzling splendor of the sky was it for me. He came to die. It was for me. Yes, all for me, all love of God. So rich, so free. Oh, wondrous love, I'll shout and sing. It was for me, my Lord the King. Stand fast in your love for the Lord. Stand fast in your hunger for the Word. Stand fast in your vision for souls. Now I'm finished.
I'm going to ask you a wee question before we sing. Are you really taking your stand? Come on. Are you really taking your stand? Are you really standing against the enemy in opposition? Are you really driving them back? Are you really pushing the enemy back in the strongholds? Are you really pushing them back? Are you really standing before the Lord in intercession? Really crying unto God for souls? Are you standing still in the trial and expectation? Are you standing fast in your dedication for Christ? You know the church at Ephesus was a mighty church, but this is what it says. They left their first love. Friend, I challenge you this morning, if your love for Christ has got cold, you need to get that fire back in your soul. You need to come back. It's time for you to stand in this dark, deluded, deceptive day. Stand.